0: You are listening to a Bible based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plain, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now, here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyan.
1: All right, so I want to talk about counting on life's unpredictable timing from James chapter 4, uh, verses 11 through 17. Then on the back of their bulletin is how prayer allows us to voice our requests to God. Probably won't get to that, but that's in the New Believers New Testament, that great resource that you could share with people for discipleship and evangelism. But life's unpredictable timing. There's so many times where you make your plans and you have your to-do list and then things get interrupted. And if you're really super planned, you might miss out on God's plan for your life on God's will for your life, because you planned this, and it was supposed to go that way, and then something fell apart, and you're like, okay, why isn't God blessing my calendar? Why isn't God blessing my task list, when actually some of the adventures that happen when things fall apart, some of the adventure that happens when God changes your plan is some of the greatest things that can happen in your life, can be uh, some of the most fruitful times in your life when you go through struggles, When you go through difficulties, and I have tons of examples of how God has done amazing things uh, in his timing instead of my timing. Uh, For instance, I met my wife at a perfect time because if I had met her earlier, I wasn't as prepared. I mean, I wasn't really totally prepared when I met her anyway, but uh, I wasn't walking as close to the Lord. I wasn't walking in maturity with Christ. I was rebelling against God. I know, right? Uh, and so, but at the right time, God brought her across my path, and it was perfect timing. Uh, sometimes we come across an accident scene. It's like, wow, I just missed that. Uh, maybe God delayed me so that I didn't, wasn't involved in that. Um, there are many things and many times that um, you look back and you see what God was doing, but at the time you're like, wow, this is really messed up. Um, I've shared this over the, before, but uh, one of the times I remember the most is when I first started as a youth pastor down in Iowa. There was this kid <coughs> I was trying to connect with, and he wasn't really interested. His dad wanted me to talk to him about stuff, and so I drove out there, and it was spring. And so I'm talking to him. I'm like, you want to go get a pop? And he's like, do all of you people have to say that? I'm like, what do you mean? he's like, well, the social worker said, do you want to go get a pop? And you're like, do you want to go get a pop? Like do you want a pop or not? He's like sure. So we go and get it and we're driving around in my minivan because that's what we drove at the time and uh, we're in rural Iowa driving along and so I said to the kid I said so which way should we go? He said I don't know why don't you go this way? So we're going down this dirt road and he's like yeah it's a shortcut and so I'm driving along and it's slushy and wet and everything but as I get about to this yellow sign that's coming in focus that says like, whatever it says, level B, minimum maintenance road or whatever, enter at your risk, is when I get stuck. So this kid won't talk to me, won't open up, being all difficult, and then we get stuck. And I mean, so stuck that I don't think, I didn't think we were gonna get out at all. I thought maybe a National Guard helicopter would have to come in and airlift us, because it was so bad. So there we are stuck, can't dig my way out, can't do anything. And so we're walking to a farmhouse to see if we could use the phone to call for a tow truck. And then the kid starts to open up. And the kid starts to talk and tell me everything while we're waiting for the tow truck. The thing that I had hoped would happen was totally happening. And then as time went on, you know, we had a great relationship. But I think part of it was based upon God's uh, messing up uh, my driving uh, record schedule vehicle. Actually, my insurance company paid for the tow. But um, even the truck that came to try to tow it could barely get it out. And the guy's like, what are you doing on this road? And I'm like, it was his idea. But anyway, so I don't know what your mess is, but maybe God's using it for something big. Maybe the difficulty that you think is like God's not blessing you, God is totally using you to help someone, to develop a relationship with someone, to open the door for something great in your future. So many times the job that you need uh, the person, somebody that you know, or maybe they know somebody else, is gonna, they're going to connect with you, and you're not going to read about the job online or in the newspaper or whatever. You're going to hear about it from a friend. Sometimes that networking, those connections, those things, uh, being around people so many times through the good things and the bad things lead to relationships, to memories, to friendships. So let's just look at what James had to say. Uh, James was addressing a church that was scattered uh, James is one of the earliest books of the New Testament. James was Jesus' half-brother, and so he, in uh, the passages we looked at before, has been talking about uh, the way that we should treat each other, the way that we should view life, the way that we should serve God and things. So, number one, don't waste time tearing others apart. Don't waste your time tearing others apart. So this is addressed primarily to the people in the church, not just the people out there, but... We, as a church, we can slander, we can gossip, we can tear people apart, we can gossip through things like prayer requests, you know, I want to pray for so-and-so, and then you lay out, you know, business that no one else needs to know as a form of gossip, or I just, I just want to share the truth in love, you ever say that, or anybody say that, it's like, don't share the truth in love if it's gossip, but here's what James writes, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another, anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So here we have um, the law, and what we're talking about is the royal law, uh, the greatest commandment, that we're supposed to love God, and we're supposed to love others. And if we're doing this kind of stuff, then we're obviously not loving others. And when we slander people, when we talk about people, it doesn't help them to move forward. Sometimes we try to uh, belittle them to make ourselves look better. Sometimes we try to tell someone else's business so that we look really good and they look really bad. It's, it's, not, it's not a good thing for us to do because things can change over time. Sometimes if we, like, said something bad about someone and then uh, some things change and the relationship gets better or whatever, then. The people that we told this bad thing about this person um, that we're now really good friends with is still out there lingering. You know, it's kind of like when you're newly married and you get in an argument with your spouse and then you call your mom and tell your parents that you had an argument with your spouse and then like the next day you patch it up and you two young, this young couple, they're so happy, they just love each other, everything's in the past, meanwhile, uh, mom or mom-in-law is strategizing on the war path because you just, you just hurt my child and I don't know what kind of monster you are marrying my baby, but I will not tolerate this. And so mom or dad's on the war path while everything is resolved. So if you've got like minor conflicts, don't, don't call mom or dad and tell them everything all the time because it just doesn't help. Don't be little people. Help treat people better than they deserve. But don't waste time tearing others apart. You know, there's a time to come alongside somebody and say, this person has this issue or this person has struggled with this. And if you can pray for them, if you can uh, watch out for this, maybe you can help them to be accountable. Uh, Just, you know, I just want you to know this because we're spending a lot of time with them and maybe they have anger issues around children or I don't know what it is. But be really careful in what you say about other people. Be really careful... Because you don't know what their life has been like. You don't know their whole history. You don't know the stuff that they've been through that have caused them to be easily set off or easily angered or to come into a situation and uh, be upset or crying or anxious or whatever. Um, Don't just automatically say, oh, well, that's a bad person. Yeah, they come to my church and they're wearing the same shirt I'm wearing, but they're bad. You want to stay away from them because you don't know all the details and it's really bad to judge them in that way. Let God sort it out Let God figure it out. So don't waste time tearing others apart. All right. Number two, make plans and set goals, but be quick to adjust them to follow God's will. So that's kind of what I just talked about a minute ago, but James 4.13 says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, You ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So let God be God and direct your life. There isn't anything on this list. This is probably for travelers back then that might take their goods and travel to a city, maybe even stay there a year and make their plans. So all of these things are good to have a plan, to have a strategy, to have a task list, to have goals and things like that. But be quick to adjust those goals as God leads. Sometimes God will bring stuff into your life that will totally like, change, uh, make your life better, or help you to be more focused in life, or simplify your life. Or uh, If the Lord is really the Lord of your life, you'll be asking God to direct you, and you'll be praying, not your will, but His will, And so, as you make these plans, you want to pray that God will help you be successful in it, that you'll be doing God's will, that you'll see in business that God can also use that for ministry. So, don't think you're self-sufficient. Don't think that everything that you do is going to guarantee uh, your success or your wealth or whatever, because all that can change. It can change overnight. God can change you from, you know, being in poverty today to having lots of resources and money tomorrow, God could make it if you have lots of resources and stuff today to tomorrow. You don't have many, but don't lose your faith over it and don't think it's the end of your life just because your plans didn't work out exactly as you thought. Instead, always, always trust that God has something good for you just around the corner coming up in your future and then look for what, what that is. Uh, how are you ministering to the Lord? How are you making a difference? Because you're only here for a little bit. When it says you are a mist that appears for a little while, I think of that fog that appears between here and Jordan uh, along the swamps there. And some mornings there's just like so much fog and everything. And then if you like sleep in or don't get up very early and then you head out on that road at nine or whatever, there is no fog at all and you like totally missed it where the early risers are like, oh, at 5.30 in the morning, it was so much fog I could barely see. But it was kind of pretty. And uh, your life is like that. It's like in the winter when you breathe and that steam goes out and then it just disappears. So what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do to make your life matter? What are you going to do to honor God with a little time that you have? It is so important that we pray about things and ask God before we get into things that He would show us His will and His desires. Um, if you're a young person trying to figure out what to do with your life, commit your life wholly to the Lord and then ask God what He wants you to do with your life. Ask Him how He wants you to serve him and what career he wants you to have. I was praying about that and I felt God had called me into ministry, which was a totally surprise, totally total surprise to me. But um, totally give your life to the Lord and know that you only have a little bit of time to live your life and then you spend, if you're saved, if you uh, are uh, in Christ, then you spend the rest of your life in eternity. But in this little time, this little mist of time, think about what is it that the Lord wants you to do and if you found yourself uh, in, I like to brief, what is it, Candyland that has like the molasses swamp that you have to roll, is it, you have to roll doubles to get out, right? Anyway, I think that's how it works. One of those kids games, I sat there in that stupid swamp forever, I'm like I so hate this game, why do you, you want to play this game? So anyway, sometimes I feel that life is like that. And so you pray and pray and pray that God gets you out. So I, I've shared with, my, with you my adventure of the stupid car that I decided to fix up. Totally a bad idea. First it was fun, and then I hated it, because it was like an old sweater that every time you thought you had it fixed, it would unravel a little more and a little more. And then uh, yesterday at the prayer meeting, I'm like, please pray that this car sells, that I can be rid of it, get rid of this distraction, get it out of my life, I just want to be done with it. And about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it was sold, and it was gone. And I'm going to be very careful to guard my time in the future. I'm going to be very careful to not fall into those distractions. Now, I sold the TV, the little 20-inch TV VCR at the ministry center that we never use. I put it up for sale, and some guy wanted to buy it. And uh, he came like, from the southwest. He came from like, the cities. He came down to buy it. And I'm like, he pulls up in this really nice Jeep. And I'm like, who in the world buys this? I figured some old guy that wanted to watch his home movies on the video. He, yeah, I, I'm like, why are you buying this? It turns out he wanted the screen for an old video game restoration thing or whatever. But, so I was telling him about the car. And he's like, me, my friends, we re- rebuild motorcycles. And we do it because it's just fun. We don't make any money, really. You know, it's just something we do. It's not work. It's just a hobby. It's a good time. I'm like, that's great. So a guy rolls up in a Jeep. He turns out to be a life coach. So... Uh, yeah, but I did not find that much pleasure in that project, and it was a total distraction. So you, especially as you're getting a little older, you got to figure out what it is you're about, and then you need to do that, and you need to push off other things. I remember when we were looking for houses a while, while back that the real estate agent would go, oh, and this house has a nice workshop for your woodworking hobby. It's like, I don't have a woodworking hobby. not going to start it because I'm focused on ministry that's all i have time for but now other people have hobbies and that's great but you got to figure out what you're about and you need to pray about it that god would show you his will and then you need to work that out and make that your priority your focus so you've got your plans you've got your goals you've got uh your list of all the things that you want to do you want to read you want to grow you want to watch videos you want to uh, do all this stuff you want your bible reading scheduled plan which is also an awesome thing and you want to pray through that, work through that, and do that. But if you're doing your scheduled Bible reading plan and all of a sudden God interrupts you and says, hey, the Holy Spirit's like, I want you to focus on this for a bit. Don't run off and read over this. Read this a few times over and over again. Let's, let's dwell on this for a moment. Let's, let's think about this. So then you re, uh, do your plan. The uh, Bible app, the Version Bible app thing. One cool thing about it is is that you can easily readjust your plan. So if you fall behind, you can just hit catch up We'll readjust your plan. You're on your way again. But make plans and set goals, but be quick to adjust them to follow God's will. Because again, many times, God's will and your will are not uh, always the same. And sometimes you need to yield yourself to God's will. And when you do, you will be surprised at the results. Sometimes you'll get farther ahead or God will protect you from something, but pray about it. As you go. Now, a lot of people are godless. They think that we have come into this world by chance, by evolution, and that there is no God involved in our life and that we just do our own thing. And I just want to show you a video clip about evolution and that uh, right now.
0: hear this one a lot. Science
1: has proven evolution,
0: therefore evolution is true. Since evolution is true and Christians don't believe it, then Christians don't believe science and they aren't rational people. Really. Let's put that claim to the test. First off, evolution in the sense that things change is evident. No rational person disputes that. Therefore, rational Christians believe it we can observe change. But evolution in the sense that life came from non-life and then that life began to randomly generate new genetic information and over time it eventually produced humans is something entirely different and something that, quite honestly, doesn't hold up against science. In other words, evolution in the sense of molecules to man is not scientifically plausible and therefore should not be viewed as scientific fact. Quite honestly, it is in great opposition to science, that is, observational science, the kind of science we can test and repeat and use our five senses to understand. Science demonstrates that over time, living organisms lose genetic information. They don't gain it. That same science demonstrates that life doesn't arise from non-life. Follow along if you would. Fact one, there is no known observable process by which new genetic information can be added to an organism organism's genetic code. None. That pretty much refutes evolution right away because there's no way to go from a fish to an amphibian without adding new information, right? If living organisms cannot produce new genetic information, how can anything gradually change into something of higher intelligence or form or complexity? That is, how can anything evolve from an amoeba to a man without adding new genetic information? The answer, of course, is that it can't, plain and simple. Now, some have speculated and they have imagined all kinds of things and they brought in artists to produce creative renderings based on guesses and they have been successful in telling a very convincing story that humans evolved from ape-like creatures, but those are just drawings, people. They're just stories. But what we really observe is humans are humans and apes are apes. Now, if fact one buried evolutionary thinking deep into the Precambrian soil, this next fact, fact two, tosses so much sediment on it that not even the greatest team of paleontologists with the latest subterranean gizmo could dig up the remains. Check this out. Never, again, never has it been observed that life can come from non-life. So here are two major scientific evidences against evolution. I reiterate for clarity, life has never been observed to come from non-life, and there is no known, observable process by which new genetic information can be added to the genetic code of an organism. So, molecules demand evolution doesn't really make scientific sense. Yet we are all here, and life is all around us in various forms. Although evolution cannot account for this, the Bible can. The Bible reveals that the all-powerful, all-knowing, supernatural God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing, and all life according to its kinds, that is, each with its own set of genetic information. So, again, what the Bible reveals Makes sense of what we see and understand evolution does not enough said
1: I like the content of the video and I also like it that he talks faster than me number three do what you know you are called to do James four seventeen. if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it it is sin for them so if you read in the Bible what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do and you don't do it that's sin this verse like a compass or a warning in my head, has always got me thinking, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I missing anything? Is there something I should do? And so I have this up here as an illustration. So we were driving down Meridian or 3, and this is in the road. It's Like, just there in the road. And I thought, well, if someone's just a little distracted, and they hit that with their car, that might be quite a surprise. But what if it sends them into the other lane, into a car or a motorcycle or a pedestrian because they're so freaked out that they, I'm pretty sure this would hold up if it's a chalk for a wheel. I'm pretty sure that if you were to hit this with a car, I don't think it would collapse. And even if it did, it could do a lot of damage. Or what if the motorcycle hit it? They would probably go airborne, crash. So anyway, I turned around, grabbed it, keeping it, and I got an extra one. If it's yours and you want it back and you can prove it's yours, then maybe we can talk about it. But it probably fell off a truck or something. We have a responsibility to, to try to do what we can when we see a need, when there's something around us to make a difference for people's safety, for the good of others, to care about the people that are around us. And there's a lot of times when there's a situation that comes our way that we can do something to help. We might have the money to help the need or the tool to help the need or the resource or the time And so, if God calls you to do it, the Holy Spirit lays it upon your heart. There's nothing sinful about it. And you can do something to help someone. You can do something to rescue someone. You can do something to change the world and glorify God. You should do it. And then who knows what opportunities will come as a result of it. So, for me, just from the day to day, I'm always thinking about the message for the week and looking for any real sermon illustrations that I can come up with so you've got to be real careful if you do any crazy things around me because you might become a sermon illustration. So hopefully always a good one. And if it's bad, I wouldn't use your name because we just said we're not supposed to slander anyone. So we wouldn't do that. But if the guys wanted to come forward, it's time for communion. That time of the month, usually it's the first Sunday of the month, where we reflect on Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, rising again. And then he's going to return soon. Paul writes, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Himself on the night when Jesus was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then He broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And communion is open to anyone who has received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so um, it's easy to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ by asking. So some people criticize the sinner's prayer and say, well, a prayer doesn't save you, but it is a really good way to ask the living, eternal God of the universe to come into your life and save you. So I prayed something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. And that, because I truly meant it, not just because I said the words, uh, that opened the door to a personal relationship with Christ, to being uh, receiving the Holy Spirit, to uh, being... Uh, adopted as a child of God. So that's how we enter into that. But as Christians, from the day to day, we need to never forget that Jesus died on that cross for our sins and that we need to remember him. This is a good time to confess any known sin that you have. It's a good time to recommit your life to the Lord. Some music will play and I'll come back up and pray in a minute. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much that as the years go on, that we can always remember that you are our salvation, our anchor, our hope, Lord, I thank you that you died on that cross, paying our price for our sin so that we wouldn't have to work our way into heaven, but that we could uh, be saved by faith through grace, by grace through faith. Lord, we pray that uh, you would help us to never forget that and to value it and to share it with others. In Jesus' name, let's take this and eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And to remember that Jesus is going to return at any time and that we will be judged as believers for the works that we've done here uh, during the time that we have, during that little mist of life that we have. And that what we do can have eternal significance if we are doing the right things. So we should pray about that and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what it is that we should do and how we should live and uh, praise him and uh, do that while the cup comes around and I'll come back up in a minute and pray. We just thank you so much that we can have a personal relationship with you, that we can be led by your spirit, that we can have your word to read, to study, to apply, to share, to use as a foundation for our beliefs. We thank you for all the Christ followers and the theologians and teachers that have gone before us, that we can um, use their resources to help us grow and to disciple others. Lord, we pray that you would help us to uh, not be entangled in sin or distractions. And if there's any distraction, any sin, anything that keeps us from serving you, we pray that you would remove it. Lord, if it's some kind of thing uh, that uh, we're entangled or invested in, Lord, that you would send something else, something better. Lord, make it easy for us to choose to do your will. And as we do, Lord, uh, help us to be successful in everything that we do. Not successful in the world's eyes, but successful in your eyes. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Let's take this and drink. All right, and the worship team will come up. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find resources to help you grow in your faith, give online to support this ministry, and share your prayer requests with us at riverrockchurch.com. May God bless you. Share Jesus with others this week.